have I got a story for you. Hunter Hastings is running for Sussex County Council, District 1. He's a former chair of the Sussex County Young Republicans, an addiction counselor, registered Democrat, hosts websites, thinks new perspectives need to be brought to the council, and doesn't like to be called late for dinner. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is that, hopefully you said it, cute, quaint, corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merch you had no idea existed because AndrePsyche.com has been tucked away, hidden in the northwesternmost regions of the internet. Let me give you a little preview of the plethora of potential purchases available for your perusing. You will come across literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, poetry, podcasts, or best and coolest of all, any sort of custom gift that you want have you want to have created for a loved one. All you have to do is message Andre. He is a freelance creator extraordinaire. And with a quick conversation and some details, he will make something 100% never seen before. And whoever will be receiving that gift, admiration will be given back to you. So go to AndrePsyche.com and just see what speaks to you. Because each and every item has a story behind it. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. You are most likely listening to this because you're in Delaware. Would you like to support a local Delaware podcast? If you do, would you mind taking a moment? Push the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, or whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You Pod on. And if you want to go that extra mile, it's easier than voting. All you have to do is rate and review the pod, especially if you listen to it on Apple. If you haven't already and you'd like to, you can friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can see all the cool pictures of all the guests that we've had on. All you have to do is search us. Getting the number two, no, the letter U, pod. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. This podcast, fun fact, has been downloaded in over 20 different countries and the majority, I believe it's 80%, of the states in America so if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your products, more clicks on your whatever, all you have to do is message us. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and we would love to support your business and partner with you. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. 
I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Hunter. Hunter Hastings has filed as a Democrat for Sussex County Council's District 1 seat. Hunter, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and let all of us get to know you. I appreciate you um, fitting us in, man. Uh, not a problem, and I appreciate you, Shauna, for the opportunity to let me uh, be able to pretty much describe myself better and you know, just give more people about who Hunter is instead of just what they're reading in the paper. Yeah, and <laughs> man, that's, um, that's something. I have a 10-year-old daughter. And uh, it was funny. I think I told this on one other podcast that I recorded, but we were driving by some political signs and I was like, oh man, you see that name? I've had them on the podcast. Oh, you see that name? I've had them on the podcast. And as a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old, she's astute enough to know, wow, that's really nice that they take time and like sit down and get to talk to you without like being interrupted. And they really get to explain their stuff. She was like, that's really cool that they get to do that. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, man. I, and it almost kind of hit me like it is kind of rare for you guys, or you people. <laughs> that's a terrible way to say it as well. Candidates. <laughs> All right, Ross Perot. <laughs> exactly. It's, it can be so hard for candidates to actually get to get their own message out through media sources that's not like edited or filtered. You're exactly right. I mean, we need an unfiltered. I think we're so much of a filtered you know, society these days. I mean – Look, uh, no pun intended, but you have Facebook filters, you have Snapchat filters. I mean, we're just filtering everything these days and still allowing people to really look at, you know, the things, the actual, you know, rawness to make their own decisions. We're kind of making their decisions for them before we can even, before they even have a chance to, you know, get their own opinion of something. Yeah. And to decide, which is part of, um, exactly, which is part of what I thought would be interesting, just interviewing different people who are willing to respond and letting them talk and just asking them questions. Uh, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, just, it's weird to say, but a long form conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would agree with that. Right. It is very much something something that you don't hear of these days much. No. (laughs) And you will be, and I don't even know how to say the mo- the smallest regional candidate that's been on, um, which I'm kind of excited about because I'm hoping you can help me. I really don't okay. know what a county council does. I couldn't explain it if I had to. I don't think I could explain it well. I'd be like, <laughs> I guess they kind of make the rules for like how many trees are on a piece of land, or they tell people if you can change from like commercial residential, but I have no idea. So can you just take a little bit of time and tell me like what, why do we have a county council? What is their purpose? What is their mission? So this is not a, uh, this is not something that's foreign to me. Like we just mentioned a moment ago, this is something that I'm running into a lot. Uh, so basically what Sussex County council is, it's five people who are on the council and they make decisions for the entire county. That includes the way properties work. Um, whether it's a uh, private, like you said, a commercial or approving of lots. But not only that, but, uh, you know, like a few years ago, we had a right to work ordinance that was thinking about being in place, but also building zoning, uh, building codes. They do that. They determine the gas tax. Uh, what else do they determine? Uh, pretty much things of that nature. I mean, there's a lot of it that they do. Uh, they're supposed to help with the public health. They have 
tons of committees that a lot of people are not aware about. Like a lot of people don't realize that the county has a disabilities uh, board for public health and wellness. Huh. You know, you always hear about, you know, the division of uh, division of um, disability services, but a lot of people don't realize that we can even get more local by talking to those people on the board about making decisions in the county. So that's pretty much kind of where the county's at. They also determine your property tax. That is another one. That's a big one right there. Oh man, that's something I, that I am so scared to start researching because um, wasn't it the ACLU that just won where everything's going to get reassessed? Yeah, for school because taxes? we haven't been using, we've been using the same tax rate, the assessment rate since 1970. Yeah. If not longer. <laughs> yeah, I want to say and, I, everywhere I saw it was like 74 was the last time property value was assessed. But I don't know if that matches up with like, maybe they just said we reassessed it and kept the same thing from like earlier, you know? Yeah, honestly, it would take, we had to go back to 1974. And that's a lot of digging, uh, especially through the articles to be able to say, all right, what exactly happened here? But the problem is, is that and I feel this is a really big, uh, this is going to be something that is a major point. And I think a major turning point for the election for a county councilman is, well, two things really. Number one, I'm bringing awareness to what the county does, the council does. It's not just, you know, building permits or zoning permits. There's more to it. And number two, as far as I remember, the county council has prided themselves in never raising taxes but I have never seen them lower it either. So what if this tax assessment value that we're going to have to reassess is much higher? What does that mean? Or, oh, we're not going to raise it anymore, though. So I don't ever remember when they lowered it. <laughs> yeah. Could they, though, since it's so low? I think so. Really? I think that, yeah, because it's all about economics. It's all about bringing back in the businesses. You can, uh, by making it so that residents don't have a tax burden, you're able to have the businesses and you can tax them instead because they're naturally going to bring in revenue. And I have a plan for that as well. So, and again, you can always correct me because I, I'm clunky when I think out loud about these things and sometimes I can oversimplify. But bringing businesses in, is that about property rezoning opportunities, building these like industrial parks kind of a thing, encouraging that? Or how, do, how else does county council help to bring businesses back in aside from rezoning? Lowering taxes. That's number one right there. And also updating the traffic system. As I, as I know that Dell Dot has the uh, final say on everything, you know, county council has always participated in what Dell Dot does. But the problem is, as you can see, like, let's just take Route 9, for example. That's the best one that comes to my mind, the best example. How narrow that road is and how much traffic is on it. Going to Rehoboth and Five Points. I mean, Five Points is a death trap, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So you have those types of things, and Dell Dot's taking forever. Well, why not present the idea of county-owned roads? Oh. We have the properties. The county council has properties that they bought within years and either have sold them or, you know, reestablished them, rezoned them, whatever have you. We make county roads so that way the county can update the progress. Because one thing I see with the county, 
is they're not planning ahead. They're kind of staying in the present. They're not looking 20 years down the road. They're just looking at next year down the road, in my opinion. County-owned roads. I can't even wrap my mind around that. So then you have to get your county workers with your county vehicles and your county, or do you just like, are those like private companies that put in for bids to work on these? And the county would just then flip the bill by renting out or selling properties that they own? I would say uh, it's a mixture of both. Like right now with the county, where, uh, you know, it's mentioned, funny you mentioned about the request for, you know, the proposals and stuff, because they're still using the same um, contractors that they've always hired and the contractors keep demanding more and more. So when we're talking about that and you're like saying about the properties and whatnot, it's more or less, you know, negotiating because we have a surplus budget. Every time we always have a surplus. So why can't we utilize that to make these county roads without costing the taxpayers anymore? As far as I know. Hmm. <laughs> Man, that's an interesting, that's a very interesting concept. I hadn't thought about the county using some of the money. But then once you get into maintaining these roads, isn't there always like a residual cost that kind of like will keep going up and there it would lead to higher <clears throat> taxes? Or is it something about the businesses that are bringing in money if they're getting revenue, like a, I don't know, like a, um, the business, what's that, the gross receipts tax, part of that goes to the county? Uh, I know the gross receipts tax is what the state controls. Right. However, um, you know, there's other ways to do that. If you have better accessing roads, look, there's places that are closing down because of the fact that they can't get no business. If we update our roads... And we're attracting more business that they're going to want to naturally come. And, you know, there's some businesses that will even pay for a certain percentage to have their land developed. And if they're offering to do that for the county, I'm not going to turn down that. It takes hmm. burden off the county and the taxpayers at the same time. Man. I'm so and I, I don't even know how to transition to this. But when we talk about bringing businesses back, I think of towns and I. District one is more Western. So that's more Bridgeville, Laurel, Seaford kind of an area. And I'm not super familiar with the towns of Seaford, Bridgeville, as far as like the in-town aspect. But, you know, I'll drive through Milton or I've driven through Milford. And I know that can be both uh, Sussex and Kent County. But I'm looking right. in town. <laughs> I'm looking in towns and there seems to be like a, a hard time for businesses in those towns to actually start versus businesses developing whatever cornfield that develops into an industrial park. So one of the things is I actually am not looking to attract more outside business. I'm actually looking to grow businesses uh, as part of my platform. I believe by having organic business growth, you're going to have uh, a lifetime supply almost of natural businesses building. Look, uh, and you, you want to ask the question of where that funding would come from, because one of the ways I would see it is like a capital startup grant. Uh, the county council, these five people uh, had distributed among them, have 30000 apiece. That's $150,000 that they can use for discretionary funding. Oh, 30000 no goes to each can't person, and they can donate it to whoever, whatever place they want. And annually? I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, 30000 annually can go to wherever they want. They can choose whatever charity they want, and it goes there. 
I mean, if you're asking me, that's a special, that's special interest right there. Hmm. Why not make it fair and make it a grant that can be used to help younger businesses start up? Because like, there's a nonprofit grant, but it's only a thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah. Right. What is you that? Know? Got you? Yeah. Like I have no idea. Maybe buy you a cup of coffee from Starbucks. A billboard. <laughs> yeah. You. Like, well, not sign. even billboards. One billboard guy I called to try to get a billboard. Uh, it was like, yeah, you got to pay uh, 3000 plus 600 bucks a month. Oh, wow. It's like, okay, and you got to keep it there for the year. I'm like, great. Everyone's going to be seeing my face even after the election. Yeah, right. I, went through that. <laughs> Definitely I can't be. afford that. <laughs> so even billboards are expensive. Right. What it's do you, crazy. What do you think? The only bi- organic businesses I can think of are microbrews because they just seem to be popping up like crazy. Um, again, I'm more Rehoboth-y, Georgetown-y than um, Western Sussex. What kind of organic businesses in your mind are kind of needing this assistance? Uh, well, first off, it would be to we would work on work with the local businesses that are there, because the problem is you're having franchises just take over uh, a lot of the county. I mean, we're yeah. always praising like, and God forbid, I love Chick Fil A. Yeah. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but we praise Chick Fil A and seafood for coming, which is great. But at the same time, local little areas, local, you know, chicken places and stuff are not going to be as popular. So we would work to, we would work with the local businesses to make them number one, a openly more competitive and make it fairer for them yeah. by simple things like, look, like the uh, square app where you can, you know, use your phone. That's like a, a game changer for a lot oh, of man. places. And these are things that are cost effective. You know, I'm a private business consultant, you know, I do a little here, a little there. And my idea, my job is to, again, make you more, make the market, make it so the local businesses can be more competitive. So we're looking at the needs, like, look, maybe their building is just shot down. Yeah. You know, it's run down. So they need a little help. Put it in a grant and then you do an assessment on it based on needs. You know, not all the details are there, but you get the idea. It's a needs assessment. And then from there, uh, like you were talking about, uh, the micro brews, that's kind of a foreign word to me. Uh, can you kind of, uh, enlighten me on that? Cause that's the first time I've heard that. No way. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like the first re- time, man. Revolution, dogfish, Miss Pillion. Ah, okay. I got you. Now. Right. Like, I mean, it's just the, it's the bike trail, you know, Iron Hill, which I might be franchisee, might not be. I don't know technically how many uh-huh. you have to have to have a franchise, but just all crooked <laughs> hammock, you know, Thompson's Island's now brewing. Like there, there's all these, um, the, the beer chain and like the beer bike chain around here. Again, it's not your exact, I guess, district, but if you're part of the council and the county, you almost look out for the whole county, right? That's, yeah, we yeah. make it. Yeah. And that's what I'm telling people like, yeah, okay, you have no other people running against uh, the current county. Why not, you know, support me? Because one decision, can, one, you know, vote can change the entire direction of the county. Yeah, three to two, man. I, that, it's, it's pretty crazy when you think about the county as a whole and you take a little decision like, I get 30 grand to give to whoever, or I could make it open and apply for 30 grand so that your business, which hasn't had any like an infusion of cash since 1990 can redo and modernize and make people make it more welcoming. Or I can help you to buy a new 
POS system or something <laughs> to get your orders in quicker so you don't have to take forever to do accounting at the end of the night. Like that, right. that that's to me, like yeah. that's a very interesting idea. And yeah, think and also, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, <laughs> and then when you think about that opportunity, you only need, it comes down to three people. Three people got to say yes. You're like, that's amazing that some of these local countywide decisions comes down to three people being on the same page. Yeah. And nine out of 10, uh, Sean, I'll tell you, they uh, tend never to vote uh, against one another. The only time I really saw a vote was uh, when the right to work ordinance was being in place when it was presented by, I believe, Councilman Arlette uh, before, you know, he ran for the Senate and it was voted down. Uh, it was five to one. <laughs> I mean, four to one, four to one. I don't even know where a sixth councilman came in. Who knows? <laughs> after they reassess the population, we might get a sixth council district. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> man. Um, yeah. So that's cr- So they tend to be the majority of votes on the county council tend to go five zero. There's not like a ton yeah. of a dissension, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it is one party. Uh, it's uh, been one party for quite a t- quite some time. Uh, everyone on there is of uh, the same party, which is Republican. There is no opposition. There is no outsider, you know, type of deal here. Um, a lot of them have the same background. A lot of them grew up, you know, as they say, you always know someone in Sussex County. Uh, you're related. You're always related to somebody in Sussex County. Right. A lot of these people know each other because they've been around. They're farmers. They're firemen, and I respect them. I respect that a lot about them. But at the same time. It's also you're staying in one way of thinking. You're not thinking outside the box. And that's what I was telling people. Like one of my things is I say on my on my little cards, I got these little two by four cards that uh, unfortunately are kind of small. So you got to have a magnifying glass if you can't don't have a pair of glasses. <laughs> but one of the things is I say better access to healthcare. Well, immediately I was told at a meeting, uh, I obviously don't know what the county does because they don't have nothing to do with healthcare. And I said, that might be true, but at the same time, we're thinking outside the box. I said, why couldn't we incentivize for people like, I don't know, Temple University to come build a residency program over here, to have doctors come in to train, meaning that there's more doctors in the area now because we have a severe uh, lack of primary care doctors so why couldn't we come and i mean these are students at a prestigious university so you know you're going to get exceptional health care hmm. to me that's you know i'm caring about your health health care hello <laughs> right and so then and again just to connect it from my understanding i don't know about others um you would incentivize that by somehow giving I feel like tax break would be the wrong word. How would you incentivize that? That would be the better way to ask it. Well, uh, one way it would be incentivized is number one, we have low property taxes, but number two, uh, it would qualify you. It would qualify the residency program would qualify for grants, federal grants. And you know, some of them federal grants uh, are like in the, in the millions, you know, like 500 million, you know, being uh, what I do for a living I look at grants all the time that are for the opiate crisis because I'm an addictions counselor. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that opportunity. So again, it's a, it would be a natural thing because then you could apply for the federal grants. The federal grants could be brought in to help with the healthcare and bring in the doctors. And we could also probably use some of that to also help pay some of the loans, loan tuition to offer that as, you know, a benefit as well. Uh... We'll have to, 
You know, hey, yeah. pay some of the doctor's bill, pay some of the doctor's tuition, or do a subsidy of like one year on their practice, on their practice building, like yeah. subsidized leasing. We're going to provide X amount of dollars for, you know, a certain amount of years over time by you, by you being here, because they're going to naturally generate revenue that's going to overpower that little cost that we're giving them because mm-hmm. of the need here. So it's going to go fast, which means billing the insurance, the insurance is billed, they're paying their taxes. Again, it's all coming back into the county. Yeah, I've heard of that. Actually, I wound up getting um, a little bit of a, I forget now, it was like student loan forgiveness. And I didn't even realize I qualified for it. I didn't realize the school I was teaching at qualified for it. And once it, once I found out it did, I actually took out a student loan (laughs) because (laughs) I realized I would get the majority of it forgiven. And it was like free, it was almost like a free uh, graduate degree to some point. And it, and so you think about maybe like a low income area and you're like, why would you not set it up and then have them get residency? And if, you know, whatever you meet uh, certain income requirements in the area that it goes to, I feel like that's something that is pretty common federally that's offered. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, there's all types of research. I mean, there's uh, one out there, if I remember correctly, uh, the connection between drugs and STDs. Uh, well, one of our major problems here in Sussex County is we lack uh, drug treatment. Uh, you know, let me put it this way, uh, uh, drug tra- effective drug treatment. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to have a residency where, you know, and I could get into all that, but a residency that has that type of you know, department, you get that uh, million dollars that pays for the salary, that pays for, you know, the products. By paying the salary, you're now paying into your taxes. By them getting that salary, they pay for their property taxes. They want to stay here because we're providing for them naturally without costing the taxpayer any more of a burden. To me, it's just, I always say uh, it's common sense approaching to me. I, I am a big fan of common sense. I have that Sussex County simplified thinking, I guess you could say. Right. <laughs> and so then county council is going to actually write these grants or you as like a county council member would be approaching different people with these ideas and just trying to figure out, Hey, president of temple, what kind of, what would be enticing for you in this area? Here's my idea. What are some things you think could make it work and having those conversations? Is that how that would kind of go down? Yeah, I think we could uh, have those conversations. I think it would be beneficial. Why not? Yeah. Uh, My thing is uh, I'm a big guy about local. I believe that the locals should be the first answer. I'm tired of waiting on the state to solve a problem. The county is underused and underrated. They have so much ability to influence and to bring things into perspective. Just like I was saying, you know, with Del Dot. Uh, from what I can tell, uh, it seems like Del Dot and the county council currently kind of, you know, are best buddies. They kind of let each other, they kind of just let, you know, leave each other alone. My thing is we have prop. The county has properties. We could say, look, we need you to build this road or else we are going to have a severe problem, which is going to affect the tax revenue for the entire state. And, you know, putting your foot down and just saying, you know what, Delbot, we need your, we need to work together more and we need you to kind of listen to us too, because we have that advantage with the properties owned. I mean, there's so much in prop, you know, when they talk about property value, there's more than just money. 
there's the influence that used for the properties as well. Um, keep going a little more on that. I guess, how would you, cause it's hard for me to understand that. How would you, um, use the properties as leverage? Okay. So they want to build a, they're going to fix five points. All right. Uh, let's say a county owns a piece of that land and they say, well, we're going to do X, Y, and Z to it. Well, number one, we haven't even sold you the land yet because you have to buy it from us because that's how it works. You know, that's how the legal system for that works. Okay. We don't think X, Y, and Z based on traffic patterns are going to work because you guys are from the state, even though you probably work locally from Del Dot, but, you know, they paid the big bucks upstate to, to for the ones to design this. We know X, Y, and Z is not going to work. So we need at least A and B and you could have Z before we even sell you this land. That's how I believe it can be used as leverage. Gotcha. That's how it can be used as leverage. Before we even sell you, we're going to have an agreement of how this land's going to be used. Hmm. Yeah, man, that's something that I don't, it, can you just Google that? Like, is there a, a color coded map of Sussex County where you could just see the plots of land that the county owns? Or do you really have to dig uh, to like see that? Uh, you really have to dig from what I can tell. I mean, uh, that that's, you know, one of the things about the website, their website is, uh, and I guess this is just the millennial in me talking, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> the website's not very user-friendly. Right. I mean, to try to find things, it took me forever to find uh, the actual annual budget, like, because I didn't understand what I was looking at. I'm like, keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, with the, but again, that could, that might be something that's would encourage more diversity if people could get into it. If people can get the information, then they can start having ideas, but it's very hard to have ideas and theories about things if you don't know what's actually going on. Right. Um, I, I agree 100%. Just like uh, getting back to a minute about, you know, the organic business group. One of the things as a consultant I've learned and again, this is not costing the county anything, but providing community uh, seminars that on how to go through the murky funding mm. uh, swamp, as I call it, because a lot of people don't understand how you can get startup funding with just a credit score. Why doesn't the county put more things like that out there where they use, oh, I don't know, the county chamber, the council chamber as that place to have a seminar and have people who know how to get this funding go in. I, I have, I know quite a few financial consultants who can get a start, who can get startup funding with no issue because a lot of people don't know how to do it. And these are secrets that they're not aware of. So right. by letting this happen and we're utilizing it with the County, the County's utilizing this resource. It's bringing in money for businesses to start up and to work. And not only that, but perhaps Make a look into shared office spaces. That's another one. Yeah, man, that'd be that's actually a real interesting concept that you hear about. And who knows now with COVID, right? So if you go right, yeah, uh, yeah, eliminating that, but that concept of if the county had property and the county like almost like subletted or Airbnb, what what's the work one called? Do you know uh, what I'm talking about? Where you can basically like just rent out an office for like a week. We work <coughs> or work with us. Is it the We Work app? Uh, I'm not sure. I've never heard yeah. of it, to be honest. <laughs> I think I, I remember hearing other people talk about it where basically you can like hire a secretary for a month or you can go to this office if you need a spot to work for a week or two. Um, huh. but it's basically like an Airbnb for offices 
you know, um, I'll have to look into that because I need an office. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, like timeshare is kind of has that like negative connotation to it where you get trapped. But if you think yeah. of it more in that Airbnb model, you know, I right, man, we're not going to trap you into a super long term lease where you have to have all this upfront cost. Maybe we just go by like the week and we have the furniture in there and everything. So it's kind of ready made and you can just come in and you can have a nice presentable office to talk to people about your business if you're starting a whatever. Like that could be a very right. interesting thing, especially if they have property. Um, do you, do they actually have like buildings like that, or is it just more like farmland property? Uh, farmland property and uh, buildings that are falling apart in both the towns and outside of the town limits, because you know, county can only make decisions for unincorporated area as well. Oh. The county also owns industrial parks too. Uh, a lot of people probably don't realize that that the local industrial park you're in is actually owned by the county and they contract somebody to run it. Huh. And those same people will start charging more and more and more. <laughs> so right then and there, uh, it really tells you that you truly don't know what the county is doing and what it's not doing. And like, just like that uh, shared office space, you know, I would even say, you know, look into the new ways things are being done. Like, I'm a big fan of cryptocurrency. A lot of people do Bitcoin. Uh, they do Bitcoin stocks. They, they run that from their computer. Well, let them have an office space so they can have a tax write-off. I mean, they just need it for a couple hours a week to get their stuff done. Why not? I know so many therapists who would love that idea so they're not stuck in a lease for a year paying three to 400 a month. And yeah. they have no client. They have zero to nine clients. Well, and the other thing too, and I, I, it's funny because I actually went to counseling and therapists as well because I don't know if you want to have all these people coming to your home and maybe you have a Cape Cod where you can block off like the upstairs, but they don't yeah. need 24-hour office space. They might only need to schedule two to three hours. And some people might want it during the day for two or three hours. Or there might actually be like tutors. This is something also like with education, our scores are so low. Imagine if teachers could like rent out office space after school where they could yeah. then offer tutoring classes. They don't need 24 hours of that <clears> office <throat> space. You could just share that and then you have counseling sessions later on in the evening and you can have – I mean that that's an interesting possibility. I guess I like – I just wonder like – so then the county becomes a landlord and would take on the obligation. But if they own the land, the real risk I guess would be in the building itself, Right. Or do you, uh, like, I do would, you partner? I would say so. Right? Like, I know that, um, like, the for instance, and I'm not super um, up on the details, but, like, I know the Shell Brothers, I thought partnered with the community or the county council about building those soccer fields across from uh, Sussex Academy. Um, I'm not too familiar on that. Gotcha. I don't even know how long ago it was. Was it recent? Couple years, I, I, couple years, I thought. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, that would probably be why, because, uh, you know... Like I said, I didn't even know where to look for the county yeah. council minutes and whatnot because, again, uh, to navigate that stuff is – I don't know what I'm looking at. I think you know the only thing that pops in my mind is the 90s called and they want their website back. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to Google it. It's funny, man. So like we were talking about recording and professionalism and podcasts and all that and it's like um, uh -huh. I hate when I start typing because when you listen back, it's like – Right. Um. But yeah, I was just trying to look at online. It looks like 2017 Greater Georgetown facility. So basically, they were trying to 
Donated land just north of the Cheer Center on Sand Hill Road is earmarked for a multi-field sports complex. This is on DelawareStateNews.net 2017. In this county, we don't have a park and recs department. The other two counties do. This is a shortfall. Mr. Shell is speaking. The concept is if Sussex County Council supports us at the level which they indicated they will, we will give them this Sussex, give them this to Sussex County, hopefully as the first park and rec effort in Sussex County. So I don't know where this stands because I can't believe it's been three years ago. But I th- Yeah, and you would probably have to look through tons of uh, meeting agendas and minutes to really find it. Right. Because that was probably them doing a public hearing unless it shows right there uh, that they voted right then and there on yeah. it and it was already discussion. But my understanding is they'll have a public hearing and then the following meeting they vote on. It. Gotcha. So scrolling, yeah. scrolling down the article, and again, it's two plus years at this point. The project encompasses 56 to 70 acres. Mr. Shell, whose family and Shell Brothers business have made numerous donations to the Sussex County community and schools, is donating the land. So they're giving the land up and then I guess building it. And then I thought they got to like basically almost rent it a little bit. I should have been more prepared. But it's uh, when you were talking about that, like the, um, and I'm not trying to like get you in um, some sort of a spot or anything, but what I'm thinking of, if you go with that, like um, it's almost like a public private partnership where we have plenty of construction companies who maybe if the land was gifted, it would just help with the residual cost of owning if people did not rent these properties out or rent the spaces out. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, man, that could be, I mean, that really would be something where people could get, instead of going around being like an Uber driver, if you had some skills and just needed some office space to showcase them, might be worth it. Man, that's, that is a neat idea. Yeah, and not only that, but, you know, we were talking about taxes a moment ago, and it almost slipped my mind, and I remember, but as of January 1st, 2020, uh, Sussex County now has a real estate lodging tax. And what, isn't that because of Airbnbs? where they were basically making the money without paying the hotel tax that the other people were? Or am I wrong about that? Um, because uh, it's been a minute since I've looked at it, but I believe it was actually it was to provide new revenue sources. The new revenue generated by taxing the hotels and lodging, it would provide uh, more revenue for the county. And to me, I'm like, why would you want to tax already existing businesses? Why not again do something where people are incentivized to start their own? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, not to like do party bashing or something, but the Republican Party always prided themselves in new opportunity, free market principles. I don't see how taxing is free market principles. I don't see how it incentivizes anyone to want to open up their own bed and breakfast because usually it's the underdogs that can come in and make a uh, difference. Like, okay, for me, for an example, I, I do website hosting as part of my consulting service. I talked with GoDaddy about doing a reseller program through them. For me, a website through me is only $30 a year to host it versus GoDaddy, which is like a hundred. Huh. And the guy said, oh, I, I kid you not, the guy I talked to the representative said, I'm glad you're not, I'm glad you're not up there with us because we can't even com- match those prices. I'm glad you're kind of under the radar, not on the radar. It was like, did I just 
make GoDaddy feel threatened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of those deals. It's like you bring in the underdogs. Let them find that affordable way to make it work. But don't put a tax that's going to discourage it. I'm more, I'm more about bringing in revenue, not taxing already existing revenue or taxing more already existing businesses. Because to me, it's a field principle because eventually they're going to be like – local ones are going to be like, I can't afford this no more. And what do you have left when a local mom and pop shop shut down? The franchises. You have only franchises left because we are almost a franchise-run country. Just a, It does seem like that. You get to that point. Mm-hmm. Man, I had not um, website hosting. How do you host the? No wonder you're into like Bitcoin. What do you just have like rooms full of servers or something? <laughs> no, I have a laptop, and I do a little. I, I guess you could say I'm a jack of all trades. I do a little here, do a little there. You know, grew up around farmland. There's farmland where I live, so I'm very familiar with the agricultural community. So a little bit here, a little bit there. <laughs> That's another thing, I guess, that people who are educated towards it, and I'm very much not, would ask about with farmland. And I actually go to two places with farmland. Internet connections, especially going west from what I understand, and the rezoning and trying to get, like, how do we decide what land is okay to flip into business land when you have to change a whatever, a condi- I don't even know if it's a conditional use permit. I think it is just zoning. Um, can you? Uh, it's when the businesses are interested. The only time you'll see commercial land tran- uh, rezoned, it, or I see a property rezoned to commercial land, is when a business wants it. And just like uh, recently, we had a uh, we had three ordinances up for voting. And this was last week, actually. It was a public hearing that they were going to add another commercial land spot for a for a business on Route Nine yet again. Like it's not already overpacked anyway. Uh, and then another one on the highway as well. They were going to rezone it into commercial land or no residential land. So they could put up another housing development near at to the beach area, which is already overcrowded. Like they really want more traffic accidents. Yeah. So then like, what's the solution though for the businesses? Cause if you're not going to flip the land to encourage the business growth, what do you try to do? Like incentivize more westward? growth like- uh yeah i would say so and <laughs> one way one way you would do that is by updating our sewer system you know why everything goes to the beach sean i do it's not because it's because this, that's where the end of the sewer is it's oh. so much easier to put things at the end of it than it is to update it up north uh you know up westward more and you know to be allow these businesses to come through the land of the septic tanks West of yes. 113. <laughs> there you go. That That's, should be a movie title. Right. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic, the land of the septic right. tanks. Uh, when the chickens take over. When the nitrates kill us all. Um, yeah, and how about bringing more movies back, uh, like when Georgetown was used for Back to the Future? Yeah, man. You know, attract, attract those types. So we have so many like areas that are historical and that's another thing. It's historical preservation. I talked with a local person that used to be on um, a historical society that focused mainly on Seaford. And now there's only two historical homes left in the entire town of Seaford. Oh, wow. Because all of the other ones were knocked down for development purposes. Huh. It's like, yeah, why would you want to get, why would you want to ruin that history? I mean, 
like the Ross plantation, that's one of the historical sites, you know, that was saved. Thank God. Cause that was again, upward to me. It's just, I, I don't know. It, it's just amazing to me. It seems like when it comes to our County, I don't know what direction it wants to go in. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause and like, and like you were talking about broadband internet, how many years has the council said they're going to bring broadband internet? Well, that's to, the other thing. Like, and I feel like that would, should be a real easy, if you again, go into that website, man, like it should just be a real quick Google maps of like, and you throw the filter on there, you click a little button. It's like, where is broadband internet available? Like if, if Delmarva power or, um, Delaware electric co-op during a power power outage can show you circles of where the outage is, can show you where the trucks are working, can give you a time estimate. You would think that stuff would be like easy to find and visually see to be like, Oh man, there's that area. Uh, as a voter and this way I would know like, okay, now let me click 2016. Now let me click 2020. Now let me see the growth or the expansion. And if it's there, I don't know how to find it. So I, I guess I shouldn't uh, sound so skeptical, too. but like but it, two peas in the same pot on that one shot. Yeah. But, and the sewer is another great thing that I hadn't even thought about, man. Like with all the, um, I, I guess it would be like somewhat similar to artesian where you're having that central for the businesses to get into for their water to be, cleaned so it doesn't leak into i guess um pollute aquifers i never thought about that like that stuff doesn't just run everywhere for people and businesses to grab pipes like that stuff does end somewhere huh yeah yeah absolutely because again it's easier just to shove it down at the beach where the end where the sewer line ends versus updating up north well that's probably why we're having the issues we are our south uh sometimes i get my little my north, south, east, and west mixed up sometimes. You'll have to forgive me. <laughs> We're on planet Earth. It's a big ball, and sometimes, you know, it's a circle. what you think is north is not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's all relative. Right. Um, and I just said, you know, there's so much land opportunity up here. Look, I remember uh, when I was, when me and my parents first uh, moved uh, to where, because uh, my family history, uh, we had, we have over 56 acres of land. So my family was a, my grandparents gave us some land to, for my parents to put on a, uh, to put on a house, put a house on. And I remember seeing a for sale sign from a real estate, uh, for already land that was zoned for lots. It was lots for sale. And guess what happened? None of the lots ever, ever been bought. It's still being uh, cultivated. And you're saying that's because, uh, because there's not probably. I would, my wild guess is because there's not enough updating here. Broadband internet, like you said, the sewer lines not updated. Who wants to come up this way if all the businesses is down where the beaches are? So then Plus, I like the beach anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, this, the spreading of businesses would encourage more even growth. And it would actually then help the, um, so part of the property tax assessment issue, I believe the the key argument was the school tax base from locals. The local portion of your school tax base was completely off because some people are getting overtaxed on overvalued land. Some people are getting undertaxed on on homes and properties that are way undervalued. Where if you had businesses right. being market value, yeah. Where if you had businesses being spread out, those. In, it would encourage development in the other school districts, which would then bring an increase of properties, an increase in revenue, and you wouldn't have to, during referendums, increase people's taxes so much because there's more people to spread the burden to of paying the tax. 
Right. And maybe more people can then, uh, maybe Sussex Tech can then open up a little bit more instead of playing a lottery system <laughs> uh, for students. Yeah. Well, that, that was a sticky one too. And I don't know if the county, the county council doesn't have anything to do with Sussex Tech, right? Isn't that straight from the state? Uh, I, I could honestly answer that question. I'd have to look again. I do know that they have something to do with the school taxes, like you said. Yeah. And, you know, my, my taxes go to Sussex Tech. I would yeah. kind of want them. I would kind of want my future children, you know, when me and my wife decide, uh, <laughs> uh, to be able to go where I believe that you know their be- their education is best at, you know, school choice. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm almost not almost positive. I'm pretty sure that they. One of the weird things about the county schools is I believe they can increase taxes, their school taxes, without going to referendum. And I thought it was just the board, which are all appointed by the governor who allow them that, that give them that right. Basically. Now you talk about the school boards. No, just for Sussex, um, Sussex tech. So like Sussex tech and polytech, I okay. believe have their own, I think it's nine people. They actually just, a lot of them just, um, resigned. There was this big upheaval over at Sussex tech because they capped the amount of kids they could come. Cause they found a lot of that, um, good old boy financial wrongdoing where people were getting contracts without being like properly bid. Oh yeah. Like uh, what county council is doing right now. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, it, and Sussex tech really got into it, man. And even though it was a lottery system, a lot of kids who had a special skills specifically athletically were able to get in like almost assured acceptance. And it actually tore a little bit of the communities apart in the Western part of Sussex County because the kids wanted to go to the quote unquote winner. Um, but th- I guess that's getting off task for what county council is about. I digress. Well, I mean, they can have an influence again. That's that's why I keep telling people outside the box thinking. We can influence these things. As I told people, you know, if I win, okay, you know, just being realistic, I'll be the only Democrat on there. And although, as I tell people, and they come to realize, I'm not a typical Democrat. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, the stereotype that you see on TV a lot, uh, an extremist, I'm, you know, kind of in the middle on things because I think, you know, going one way or the other, going one direction too far is not good at all. You know, we have to have a balanced approach. But since, you know, that's the letter behind my name and obviously it does matter to the council, I'm going to be outnumbered. And anything I probably propose, even if it's great, will be botched and redone and they're going to probably say, Oh, this is my idea. Now it was my idea all along. So just being the fact of a councilman, I can have a lot of influence to help the communities because last time I checked, I didn't know who my councilman was. I asked a lot of people, do you know who your County councilman is? What's that? And then they automatically think city council. And I'm like, no, the County council. It's not just, you know, someone who approves permits, they do property taxes, they do funding, they do the maintenance of the sewer lines, they do the co- approval of construction, they do business permits, they do your permits, so on and so forth. And it's like, y'all are getting duped because the council has kept a low profile and has not been out there with the community. I'm pretty interested, and I didn't realize this, we had spoken a little bit about it prior to recording. But going from the Republican, I, I guess you would have classified <laughs> as or identified <laughs> as a Republican in your youth and now going Democrat, did you like, 
Did you have to do that to get on the ticket because of an incumbent thing or it allowed you to skip a primary? This way you feel you had a better shot at the general or you just felt like the values? I know you said you're not a typical Democrat, but like what got you to go with the D instead of the R? So to put it back up, I've always been, as I tell people, independent at heart. You know, one of the things is I was one that was openly critical that criticized the president. I questioned some of the things that I saw because as I was told one time, I'm a policy wonk. And, uh, you know, I changed to be able to vote in the primaries for uh, one of the candidates I liked when they were running for president in 16. And, you know, after that, after the election, I said, you know what, let me stick around. And at the same time, I also wrote a letter in the newspaper that said, where are the Republicans? Because I remember I was supporting a libertarian candidate at the time, and I walked up to one of the Republicans' uh, tent booths that was a con- they were running for the same office, and I said, "Well, I support the libertarian, but I'm more than interested." Immediately, oh nope, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to talk to you. You already made up your mind. I'm like, you know, uh, you could change my mind. I'm open. Nope, I'm not talking to you. I was like, okay. So I mentioned these things, and I mentioned the errors, and. It's kind of how I got attention in the Republican Party, and I stuck around, uh, started attending meetings, and then one of the things I wanted to make sure of was that it, it didn't go to extremists, uh, that there was still like room for kind of like freedom of thought because I always identified more as a moderate than I would say ultra conservative. I was, and you know, as I even then, that's the best way I can describe myself to me. If it just makes sense, it makes sense hmm. because I'm common sense. So uh, after I was the Young Republicans chair, I was back in 2018. Um, I, you know, we had the Senate primary uh, between Gene Chirono and Rob Arlett. And what I saw and the things that they did to that, uh, to this guy, he was the former, he was a compliance officer for PayPal. He's been on many regulatory boards. He worked for Wilmington Trust. He was a finance guy. He was a businessman. He was an attorney. The guy was ultimately qualified. What disqualified him? The fact that he was gay. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And knowing that and seeing that, and then they allowed uh, an openly racist man that had the audacity to call uh, our congresswoman, Aunt Jemima, uh, they allowed him to stay on the ticket. And I'm like, if this is what you guys approve of, because in order to have a nomination approved, it has to be signed by both the chair and the secretary of the state party. So that means you signed his certificate of nomination, you acknowledged it, and you allowed him to move forward when you had every right to take him off the ballot and replace him immediately. To me, I wouldn't have cared what the legal costs were. It was more important to show that you're you're holding accountable and you're holding true to the vision, as I said, the uh, big tent Republicans that Ronald Reagan talked about. Because that's what I was inspired by. And then after that, I resigned and I openly did it. And I still stick by my words. Does that mean I think everyone in the Republican Party is a, you know, uh, extra extremist, right-wing conservative? Absolutely not. I, I have very good friends that are still Republicans. And I've met actually some very liberal Republicans, too. You know, as they call them, uh, Mike Castle Republicans, if you're familiar with that term. <laughs> I, I think I am, but I don't, I, I wouldn't claim it. <laughs> I guess yeah, like right? people talk about that with, um, I guess, Chris Coons as well, but it would almost be the yeah. flip, like the Democrat, right? Like, oh, the best Republican we have, Chris Coons. 
yeah, uh, it's basically like, you know, Mike Castle was pro-choice. He was, you know, more on the liberal side than he was on the conservative side. And it's like, okay, well, I've met people who are more liberal and I've met Democrats who are more conservative. And I'm just like, to me, it's about people, not party. And, you know, I, I don't put my identity in a party. I put my identity in myself because, again, I'm independent at heart. If I don't think a decision is right, I'm just going to say it's not right. I'm going to, you know, make the choices that matter, not because that's what everyone else is doing. And I also, it, it's neat because I didn't, again, know much about you, but it's neat to hear about all the things you're in and the perspectives that you can bring. And I immediately, especially when you had said millennial, I, I wanted to kind of Google, like, what are the ages of our county councilmen? Are are, are represent? Actually, they are all men, right? There, there's not. Yeah. There's not a female. I guess oh. I was like scrolling through a little bit. There was a female at one point. I thought, um, maybe two. I'm sorry for misspeaking about that. But like, I, I really do wonder what are the. I don't. I don't. I couldn't recall either, to be honest with me. Yeah. So. <laughs> So like, I wonder what their ages are because it is sometimes nice to like mesh that, to mesh like the youthful optimism and energy and a lot of times can be ignorance to like other things. And you kind of sit down and you get to have talks about it and explain and you can get some good perspectives from hearing from both sides. But if you don't get mm -hmm. the, that voice, then like how do you ever get better at understanding, get better at planning? Well, I mean, I again, I go back to the fact that I didn't know who my councilman was, and I do know that uh, I don't want to say, but I mean, just look at the pictures, and I think you can kind of put two and two together <laughs> about the ages. I, and I'm, I mean, that's no disrespect. I, I am a big fan of learning from my elders because they're the ones that saw things, and they're the ones that pass on good knowledge. Like, just because I have a college education does not mean that yeah. I you know, disregard what my what my uh, my grandparents have taught me. I mean, oh. hey, I still have a great grandmother for crying out loud, and I love the wisdom she places. Yeah, and, but know, that's Disney. what I'm saying. It's great yeah. when it merges, but it can't just be all wisdom. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think, and and I guess that makes it almost sound like you're dis discounting your education or your ideals. Oh, but it can't be like not. I combine wisdom. them. Yeah, right. Yeah, dude, I'm looking because... at an image now, and I, man, if I had to bet my life. I'm doubting anyone is under 50, at least in this picture. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> I'll, I'll actually be the first millennial and the youngest on the county council if I win. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Wow. Yeah, definitely not a lot of diversity on in that picture. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, I, I stress about we're always talking about one party rule. Well, why not have a swing vote? Why not have someone that has an outside perspective? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. This is how I, I show that I'm not the typical Democrat. Uh, and it's up there and it's public. But I wrote a letter to Governor Carney and asked and demanded that he rescind the uh, the renewal of the emergent state of emergency. Because hmm. I believe that we're at a point now with the low numbers of COVID that we can you know, start reopening and doing it safely. So, I mean, hey. That if that doesn't show it right there, I don't know what does. And trust me, uh, this was not with approval of the Democratic Party when, you know, I I did join them. And one of the things was is I also uh, saw some diversity uh, and free some freedom of thought, unlike you know, 
you were a liberal if you were in the Republican Party and you didn't support the, our president. Because, you know, I, I question, because I, I don't support the president, I support the Constitution, and I support the decisions that are constitutional, is what I say, regardless of the person in office. And, you know, and that was a problem. And the first thing I do is I go to a meeting, and I, ha I talked to this one guy, and he was like, yeah, he says, I'm old school. And I was like, are you talking like you're a blue dog Democrat, meaning, you know, hey, you got some conservative fiscal values? He says, no, I'm older than that. I'm conservative. I was like, oh, OK, that, that's my first night attending the meeting <laughs> <laughs> right before, like maybe a couple. Yeah, about a month or two before I filed. I was like, OK, uh, well, this, you know, that if that doesn't break uh, the norm, I don't know what does. Right. I mean, I. And I go to events that you might not see a typical Democrat go to either. Like I've been invited to uh, – I was at the reopen rally, and I, I did praise Governor Carney for what he did. I mean I respect him as our governor. To me, we don't know what COVID was going on about, so he had to do what he had to do. But now we know a little bit more. We kind of know how to deal with it. we got to start making it flexible because our economy is going to go to shambles, and we just cannot keep relying on rainy day funds. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, yeah, because it, uh, depletes, it depletes all the future rainy day funds that you would have because the you exactly. know, it's always a lag. And then I was even invited to a flag day uh, and a bur uh, celebrating flag day and President Trump's birthday. Uh, <laughs> I didn't speak on I, I told him up front. I said, I do not support the president. I said, I hope you understand that. I don't want to come there and just be like, hey, uh, I don't like Donald Trump. Uh, to me, because I don't, I'm not that type of person. And they're like, no, we want you to come and actually speak on what you believe. And I kid you not, I felt like there was a couple targets on me when I said, I, I'm the Democratic candidate. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people were there that knew me from the Republican Party, who also, you know, were personal friends. So they were kind of like they were easy on me. Like, but you know, there was a huge like silence. Like the next thing I say could be life or death. And what I said is. They're like, you sound more like a Republican than a Democrat. And I said, I'm just me. If that makes me Republican, fine. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> old school. Old school saying right there. Yeah. Man. Absolutely. Dude, is there is there a policy? Because we did kind of bounce around. Is there something Sussex County Council-wise that we hadn't spoken about that you want to kind of get your message out about? Uh, I would say the budget. I believe uh, that the annual budget that was just presented. Okay, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw the article about it being a bare bones budget. Did not. So, you know, with this whole COVID crisis, County Council uh, did this whole budget and they're calling it the bare bones budget, meaning that they totally have slashed some stuff, whatever, what have you not. And they're like, okay. You know, this is our bare bones. We didn't raise property taxes. We're going to point that out again. We didn't raise them. Okay. But the budget is so complicated to understand it. It's divided like into three pieces. You have the capital investment, uh, something else, and then, then the general funds and some other doohickeys. <laughs> and, by, and if you look at the capital uh, investments, I believe that's what it's called. There's a $9 million deficit within that budget alone. <laughs> How do you balance a budget if there's a $9 million deficit? 
That's my question. Really? Regardless of what section it is. Yes. I'm like, how is that possible? What? Because it's a loan? If you have that much of a deficit in your loans, there's a problem, man. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just going to get real with it. Yeah. It's <laughs> That's a, a problem in my book. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to scan through it. I found it on DelawareStateNews.net. Found the bare bones. Overall budget marks a 15% reduction. It's designed with revenues projected to be down to 65 to 85%. God, I hope our floor is only is sixty five percent. That'd be nice if we only lost thirty five percent, because it is. Yeah, but bad. how much of that is uh, expounded upon and just a bunch of wild guessing? Because look, I just I took statistics. I can't tell you exactly what formulas to use, like chai squared or the only chai chai I know is chai tea. Because I passed the class, I don't even know how I did it, but hey, I did it. A lot of shit. And I know how to do some statistics, but not a whole lot. But how much of that was? Um, how you say uh, slanted, or you know, a little bit to the, a little bit more stretched than what it needs to be? That's my question. But yeah. I look at those budget reports, like on the county website. I can't understand all that because it's so confusing. It's a bunch of big words to me. If I, as a man who's been to college with a bachelor's degree, can't understand it, not saying that it doesn't, you know, matter. Like it does, you know, piece of paper doesn't determine who I am. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm the stereotype. I've been to the college. I should understand these things. I don't. <laughs> to me, it's just confusing. And you have the budget. It's so confusing. It's like, how is that transparent? How do people truly know what you're getting? Because I couldn't even find how the salaries of the uh, the salaries were done for the accountant. How much they're making a year. Yeah, well, I was actually going to ask you, like, are these paid positions on the council? Yeah. Oh, they are? And they also get incentivized to attend, to go to the meetings and also attend the board meetings, too, for their, uh, you know, the boards that they have, the local boards that they have that the council oversees. Gotcha. They're incentivized for that. They have a good health care and really good pension, too. Huh. Maybe that's why it costs $1,200 to file for county council where... It's only nine hundred to file for state representative. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting point. The um, benefits package might be better. The EMS and paramedics and nine one one dispatchers. That's something that uh, I had kind of forgotten that the county funds. Because yeah. for some reason, I thought the EMS stuff was all private, and then they got uh, like basically reimbursed through insurance or something like that. Uh, the ambulances are, if I'm correct, and I believe so. Uh, but the EMSs, like you said, like the paramedics and stuff, yeah, that's all. Um, that's all through the county, and it's all volunteer based. Mainly. That's why we have a severe problem with the uh, with the fact that of uh, deplete. We have a severe um, problem with the lack of firemen, firefighters, however you want you know to say it or label it. We don't have a lot of volunteers left. We only have, I believe, two. Yeah, two stations that are you know paid. Oh, really? And to me, that's a problem. Yeah. Huh. To me, that's a huge problem. Okay, we're not getting volunteer firefighters. Why? Because we're maybe requiring more work, or is it because they have a busy schedule and they can't, you know, afford it? And, you know, maybe we need to look into something like uh, you do so much, you get a stipend for, uh, you know, like 140 bucks for being on the fire, for doing so many shifts, or... We look at it as like a tax credit. 
Yeah, right. That's what I was kind of thinking right there. The tax credit would be the biggest incentive that I assume would be easiest. Yeah, it is kind of crazy, man. I've spoken to people on this podcast who um, served as firefighters. And like when you think about like city firefighters, I mean, it's it's a dangerous, you never know when it's going to go down kind of a job similar to a, a police officer. And yeah. the fact that we're volu- like relying on the volunteers for that in some of our more vulnerable times to come and help us is kind of like crazy. <laughs> it's like you're asking them to die. And I'm not. I respect the fi- our firefighters yeah. and our public safety. That's why, you know, another thing that's the outside box thinking is, you know, public safety. And, you know, you mentioned the emergency services. And, you know, one thing with the emergency services is the opiate crisis. This is where, again, you know, my addiction uh, knowledge comes in that, you know, we have a severe problem in Sussex County because we have a severe lack. Um, You know, most people don't know what uh, opiates really do and they don't know how to treat it because, you know, the different trends in drugs always changes. Now the most popular is scramble, which is something you can get out of Baltimore. It's a little pill cap and you don't know what it has in it. It could have fentanyl. It could have benzos, you know, like Xanax mixed in and it could kill you. Potentially you might not, you might not even be getting what you pay for. It's like 20 bucks a cap in Baltimore. And then they come over here and sell it for more. And, a lot of people don't know how to use the Narcan. They don't understand why the Narcan. And also with mental health, you know, how many times do we have uh, schizophrenic episodes or people that are in a psychotic state and we don't know how to approach them? Uh, you know, and all you're doing, all our officers are trained on is like how to do standard approach, standard protocol. Maybe teaching, maybe having community events and things of that nature where both the public and the, and the police learn together helps improve those relations. So we're not having the issues that we do, you know, in other States, man, I just, and going through the budget on Sussex County, de.gov 3.4 million for the County's contract with the state of Delaware for 22 supplemental state police troopers assigned. So uh, uh, my initial gut reaction is we're asking for 22 extra or whatever the state formula is, we don't qualify for those 22, but 3.4 million would be about 2% of the budget. And I'm wondering to piggyback on what you're saying, if that was used for de-escalation training that the officers were able to attend, or if you provided counseling services, I just really wonder if that could be a better use of 2% of the budget for the County. From my understanding. And I always say from my understanding, cause I don't want people to take it as, you know, uh, fact or gospel as some people would say haha another old phrase <laughs> um is that you know as a, in the state police academy you're only required once to be evaluated by a psychiatrist right and that's it that's probably the only mental health you that's pretty much the only mental health treatment you're going to get or close to it because they don't require it yeah. i mean our veterans come back with ptsd or what they used to call shell shock. I kind of like that better. I think it puts more emphasis on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the trauma. And, you know, they get counseling. Why is it that we don't do something where at least they have to go once a month, our officers, whether the county provides it, like you said, for counseling services, that they can come and, you know, they get counseled and they can talk about. Because I'm sorry, if you see someone get shot alive or you had to shoot somebody, you can – I, I – I do not believe 
that you can sit there with a straight face and say, uh, oh, I'm, okay. I'm fine. Yeah. Well, it's, or I'm it's, okay with it. If you say I'm okay with it, I, I, I think I'm going to be running out of it. <laughs> I just, man, I just go to that daily grind of your life is on the line. You're out here never yeah. knowing you're at a heightened state of emergency at all times. It's like, you always have to be vigilant and that you, you can't maintain that 40, 60 hours a week, week after week, month after month, you, you need some, you need to get something out. And I believe a lot of times that you know, you don't want to take that home. You don't you don't want to open up and talk about all the horrible things with your family because you're kind of then like involving your family in it, right? You almost want your family to be separate yeah. from that. But if you are able to once a month, it was just mandated, man. Hey, dude, no twelve hour shift today. It's eight hours, and you got four, two with a mental health coach, like one hour a group, one hour a private, and then two hours to work out or something where you could just de stress. I feel like that would really help for, um, or the other two hours of like situational training, but I'm looking at 3.4 million to supplement 22 state police officers or troopers. And, um, wow. What does that include? Yeah. Well, I I guess, (laughs) I guess you're getting 22 state police officers or state police troopers. Um, but I'm just wondering why the state isn't paying for that. Like, why don't you qualify as the state if we need that? Or why are we asking for 22 supplementals? Is it because the towns aren't able to not afford um, town cops? That's a good question. And if uh, the budget was more understandable, I think we could come to that answer a lot faster. Yeah. I've never looked at the budget numbers approved. Now now I'm just going down a PDF rabbit hole. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, the rabbit hole syndrome. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's only 192 about- pages. So it is pretty easy to skim through. <laughs> God. Right, yeah, it's only 192. Wow. And uh, I don't know if you come across it, though, but, you know, where they break down the entire budget and the percentages, what astonishes me is that 46% of the budget is the realty transfer tax. Always percent. I was just scrolling through there. Top, top employers I'm at, healthcare, 15%, retail, 15% manufacturing 13. So man, if you look at COVID shutdown, retail and food services is 28.3% of our employers. Yeah. Wow. And I'm going to say this and it might be uh, might be crazy, but if it wasn't for things like DoorDash or Instacart, yeah. I think a lot of people would be less employed. Look, uh, my a friend of mine uh, got laid off from doing HVAC. He was a transporter. He, you know, s- provided the supplies. That's two point three percent of the total county employment, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Transportation and warehousing, two percent. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, he got laid off, and if it was, and funny thing was, he did DoorDash, uh, delivering food. He was making more money with DoorDash than he did that. Yeah. But besides that fact, it saved him a job. He was able to get a job and he didn't have to apply for unemployment because he was able to get that money back fast. I mean, the next day, what was it? He told me, uh, yeah, he was, he got laid off, I think on a Tuesday, he almost cleared a thousand dollars by the, by Sunday. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, right then and there, I think it really helps that these small things like that are here. Do you know what percent of the employers in Sussex County work for the government? That I couldn't honestly answer. 11.4%. Uh, 
It's the fifth, wow. fifth largest employer in the county is the government. So when you talk about taxes, I mean, you got to pay those salaries and pensions, man. If we could somehow, I'm surprised construction's only 6.5%, but like yeah. professional and technical services, 2%, only 2% of the people offer professional and technical services in Sussex County. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> it's just such a low number because you look at like medium income, you look at discretionary, you would think professional services would um, make some pretty good money. Yeah, and it, it comes back to what I'm saying. The opportunity's there. Why aren't we using it? Yeah. The opportunity to increase those numbers and to increase those markets are there. Why are we not using this? Maybe because, I don't know, people are content with where they're at. I mean, my opponent has been on the board, has been on the council for over 12 years. Never been challenged one day. I'm his first official challenger. Is if he, that doesn't say... I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I was just wondering, like, will there actually be like a town hall debate Zoom style kind of a thing between you guys? Uh, I honestly wouldn't know because I haven't heard the slightest thing from him. The only time I ever even see his face is on the Zoom meetings for the council. So and there's there's not some like general person coordinating something like that. I guess I don't know what that would be, what entity would do that. But you would assume if two people are running, particularly with probably like, like the League of Women Voters, that okay. would probably be someone because this is a first. Uh, I the guy has never been challenged in 12 years ever. When he won the primary against his opponent, he walked right through the doors on election day, no problem. Yeah, I noticed. So, I mean, that. it's. Yeah, it's really an unconventional thing because there's really no statistics to say what my chances are. Yeah, well, and you apparently to be fair, need... he's never really had a campaign. Put out a few signs and you're done. Yeah, just make sure your name's there so people remember to hit it at the ballot. Twelve thousand six hundred and five votes. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be it. It will be interesting. So if you look at Council Three, which is the almost like that Cape District, which you would think in Sussex County, if anything lent leaned more democratic, it would be that. Um, mm -hmm. IG Burton, 14,000 votes. Leslie Led Ledogar, if I'm saying that wrong, I apologize, 11,000 votes. So 28,000 votes came out like in District 3 and um, mm -hmm. District 1 and 2, 11,000 and 12,000. So that's crazy that it was basically half the population over there. And it also makes you wonder because if you look at the breakdown of the vote of the council districts, there's at least three districts that um election districts that at least a thou over a thousand Democrats voted. Think about how many Democrats would hit the button if they knew they had a county council candidate. Just as Democrats. Yeah, right. That's true because they they just hit the do all button, right? Like the straight down the line. Bloop. Uh down here uh we don't have I know uh where I'm at, because you know I live around Seaford area, we don't have that. We just have to hit them individually. Gotcha. Yeah, they don't have the levers. <laughs> uh, but most of the time, people just vote a straight ticket. Man, did um, you? And I have no idea what this means. So, if you are in Sussex County, the salary structure. Mm -hmm. If you are a grade, it goes from grade one to grade thirty-four. So your minimum salary, if you are a grade. 20, which I'm going to assume is a 20 year employee, 54,000. Okay. The midpoint is 64. The maximum is 70. 
I'm sorry, the maximum at a 20 year is 81. So if you are a step 25 maxed out, you're making a hundred grand a year. I wonder what kind of job that would be. I don't know yeah. because uh, I do know a lot of the times uh, a lot of those positions are appointed by the council. They get to pick and choose who they want. Really? As the county administrator. Yeah. The current county administrator. He was appointed by them. The public didn't have uh, a say. I don't remember seeing an application that says apply for a county administrator position. Why is that? Hmm. What? So you can, again, you can keep your special interests. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thought that comes to my mind. And that lacks transparency in my view. And that's a problem. Because the county has stayed, the council has stayed under the radar. It's like uh, like the lost city of Atlantis, you know, the lost council. We discovered the council yet again. Um, and people, it's just like they're so under the radar with what they're doing. It's like more people need to have awareness of this. Like you're getting duped in your taxes. <laughs> Man. That would be a major concern. If you knew where your property taxes came from, because a lot of people, I, I guarantee it, think it comes from the city. No, it's come from the county. You want your taxes lowered? You go to the county. <laughs> General fund. The pie chart below shows the FY 2021 expenditures by category. I love talking about pie charts with no visual on a podcast. This is great. Um, salary, oh, yeah. salary and benefits is the county's largest expenditure category at 55% or $36.3 million. And I guess that would also include the police that they're funding, I believe. Yep. I believe so too. But that's only three point four million. So I mean, dude, you're still looking at thirty three million of salaried county. That's crazy. Salaried county people, thirty six million yeah. in Sussex. And that also, I believe, includes the sheriff too. Uh, his budget will be six hundred and forty four thousand one hundred thirty eight dollars. <laughs> and all he does is serve papers. That's the only thing legally uh, the count the sheriff can do. That's he can't thing. arrest. He can't, you know, deputize. He can't do any of that. They evict, right? I think they can do that, yes. But, you know, they're, they're very limited in their capacity. Right. After um, Jeff Christopher was out of office, uh, they made they passed a statute that says, you know, the sheriff has no arresting powers, which is kind of uh, counterintuitive, if you ask yeah. me. It's like, okay, then why so, do we have a sheriff? Dude, again, Julianne Murray, um, who's on the podcast, will be coming out. Uh, she was the one who argued for him in Supreme court. And oh, she, wow. dude, she did a great, I mean, it was like 15 minute breakdown. She was explaining to me about how constitutionally what went down. Did you know that the mm -hmm. legislators changed the code while the case on the case's way to the Supreme court to um, solidify, no, I did not. to solidify the chance they changed it in 11 different places where they added in a positive to the sheriff. They were like, uh -huh. so wherever the sheriff's name was in the um, legislate, I think it or maybe code. Legislation uh -huh. or code, I'm not familiar with words, but they were like the sheriff, comma, who has no arresting authority, comma. <laughs> and oh, they yeah. voted to change okay, it. That's, and you're, you're it's kind of like that. when you know they slip in there that they know this legislation is going to pass. Oh, uh, yeah, I need about $2 million for uh, yeah. this road that no one knows about, even though it's technically owned by me, but we're going to say it's for a nonprofit or something. Right. Yeah, like, one, like the pork, as they call it. Yes. Sounds like one of those deals. Like, oh, we're just gonna put this in here real quick. Uh, no one's gonna notice right right away. 
This and I'm I'm currently again just like scrolling and thinking out loud, which I've never done this before, and I'm actually having fun. I don't know if people will enjoy this or not, but maybe it'll make them look at the budget and go through the 192 pages. Maybe it'll spark them hearing something, and they'll be like, "Let me check on that." Um, I would hope so. Let me get some of your thoughts on the airport in Georgetown. I don't know how much you know about it. I don't know if you know like what the plans are for it. Um, I don't know if you think it's like a worthwhile thing or not. I'm curious because that. To me, that uh, I will airport. say I'm lacking in knowledge on that one. Because gotcha. I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of learning myself what all the county owns and has. Right. Because I have, I'm starting from scratch. Yeah. Like I knew, I understood some of the things, you know, the property taxes, but it's like there's little nuggets that you don't know about, and you can only find out like kind of when you're there. Right. Because it's it's that deep. Because, you know, you go through an orientation and all that, and they show you what a councilman does. Like, they do a representative. So it's like, okay, that's when you really learn. You know? So it's kind of, like, hard to really give an opinion on something you don't know, gotcha. unfortunately. I mean, the only thing I remember is when I was working in uh, – when I was working with younger adolescents for a while, uh, I used to take one of them to the airport. Georgetown Airport because they liked watching the planes. Right. I was like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, it opened up conversation to talk about why they have anger issues and stuff. Because <laughs> it was one of their favorite things. So, well, hey, I mean, it was therapeutic nonetheless. <laughs> That's I, the only opinion I can give. I do know, and I'm reading this from, again, it's page 40, what, 44 of the budget plan. So the airport has two paved runways. The longest is 5,500 feet and accommodates large corporate jets. Um, they, uh, calendar year estimated landings, 35,529. I have spoken to people who work there as far as like, they're the ones who, um, upgrade the runway. Yeah. yeah they're, they're the ones when the planes land, they fix them, they do the maintenance on them and stuff. And I feel like that is such, I, I don't know if it's underutilized because 35,000 a year is a lot of landings. But I really wonder, man, like having it's about your own equivalent little, to how much mileage you put on a car a year, pretty much. Right. It's just so many things coming in and out of that business. And you just wonder what is going on to make that like, does anyone actually fly in here and then get to the beach? Can we get to like that Salisbury-esque part or is it pretty much just all private? That's a good question. And, uh, you know, that's one that I would love to, you know, look into. And I definitely agree that it's underutilized. That I can give an opinion. If it's only thirty-five thousand, I I hope that my mileage in my car does not match how the many numbers of jets that are using that uh, platform, using that runway. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so it's a number of landings. So if it was three yeah, landings, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Three hundred sixty-five days a year times ten, three thousand times. So it's basically a hundred a hundred aircrafts land there a day. And I just want, are they landing there for maintenance and rolling out? Or could there actually be like a travel implication of, I don't know, man, like charted flights to bring you to the beach instead of coming over the Bay Bridge, you know? Mm-hmm. Jeepers. Yeah, Jeepers Creepers, I'm, Mr. Peepers. I'm only on page 57 <laughs> and my mind's going nuts. I should stop. I don't know if that's the best use of this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe you should review it because I think at the I think after 192, that means you're a conspiracy theorist. It might um, be. It's maybe, maybe not. <laughs> it is interesting because I've literally never gone through those numbers. But again, that's part of right. what I like. Is just even Charles look at it too while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
So Hunter, is there anything else that you want to discuss before we um, conclude? I would just say too, um, you know, one of the things is I believe in, uh, you know, accountability, accountability and the budgeting and, you know, we're being financially responsible. If you do go through the 192 pages, there should be a pie chart in there that shows you where the revenue comes from. Yeah, the it was, two major yeah. areas is the property tax and the realty transfer tax. So we're basing 40%, and that's 46%. 46% of our budget is based on real estate. So what happens when the market crashes? And then we're basing it on the number of property taxes? That's irresponsible in my view. That should be like the least concern. That should be like, that should be a taboo when it comes to taxes. That's how I am with taxes. I'm like, taboo. I think, you know, if you're basing it on just two major tax brackets, that's a really bad issue because if the stock, if the real estate market crashes, no one's buying houses, that means the realty transfer tax is no longer valid. It's no longer able to be utilized. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm considering with um, all the people who come here and buy these second homes is, man, if these city jobs, if there's a cut in those, in their salaries, I get that a three hundred thousand dollar home get a three hundred thousand dollars goes a long way in Sussex County, but if they don't have that extra whatever the mortgage would be eighteen hundred fourteen hundred a month, um, what is going to happen? Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot of bank lo- bankruptcies, and you know, just like that financial bubble that we were in with the loans, we're going to have it again, and it might just be a county thing, but at the same time, <laughs> you might just have another issue with it. Uh, may hopefully it never happens. Knock on wood, you know, if you can find a piece of wood somewhere. I don't have any wood around me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm looking and I found revenue and expenditure summary 2021 budget. So taxes is 41 million, six and change. Charges for services, general and enterprise, which I'm not sure what they are, but I believe that's like when you apply and make payments for things, is another 41 million. Mm-hmm. And assessment and connection fees, $31,900,000. I was trying to... Wow. Yeah, so I don't know if the assessment, I believe... Wouldn't that... Would that be the real estate? Uh, I'm not sure because uh, when I looked at it, I probably... You're probably looking at the one that they did for the state of Delaware, the report. Okay. If I'm correct. Uh, the one I looked at, it showed the pie chart and it showed the realty transfer tax as one of the major sources of revenue. Oh yeah, there it is. I'm sorry. You're right. 34% real estate okay. transfer tax. I was tax. wrong on that. Property <laughs> taxes, 28%. No, but you're right. They're the two biggest pies. So the real estate is a third of our budget and then your property yep. taxes is basically another third. So that's two thirds of the budget is made up of that. And then charges for services, which are the fees and things of that nature would be 20%. Yeah, like your like uh your permits, land exactly. use, uh, gas, electric, you know that type of stuff. Yeah, some people pay their electric bill at with, for the county. Right. So hey, that's you know, and that's just a huge concern of mine. Yeah, to uh, to have a budget, especially, and I hadn't come across that deficit part where you're talking about nine million, but to have a budget that a third of it is depend upon, dependent upon transferring of real estate. That seems like a large amount of your budget that you probably shouldn't depend on. Yeah. If that's a balanced budget, then 
I need to go back to school. Yeah, it just seems unsustainable, right? Because it's not like a, a corporate tax or something of that nature where you're actually getting um, something that produces. It's just literally right. like you're going to run out of land. And then if there's no new construction, like existing homes aren't going to get like swapped. Like at, I wouldn't think at that rate. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that about the new homes and properties. Uh, getting back to like when I was saying about the roads and thinking 20 years ahead, I'm a property rights guy. And if we want to keep up, we have to look at what properties we need now mm. versus then. Because we already had the chaotic situation, like on Route 9, uh, like in Rehoboth, like in Lois, the traffic issues. Yeah, That's going to be a problem again. And I don't want that coming down to Seaford. I don't want that coming to Blades, where I'm going to be representing. Mm. I mean, we have a good traffic flow. Let's keep it that way, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and stay ahead of the game. Plan ahead, not plan in the now. Yeah, so, that, you know that that'd be an interesting thought too. If you're taking that realty transfer tax and you're using the majority of that 34 percent to buy lands that you could preserve and later either flip, like you've spoken about, or hey, we actually do own these lands to make infrastructure choices that'll be better to help growth. You know, because yeah, you've I already think, invested. You know, the in county it. should buy abandoned properties because they're just sitting there and not making anything. And then at least it would be an asset for them, huh? Yeah. And then we could, you know, make it, donate it to nonprofits. Maybe there is a, because uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but like, okay, from a business aspect, and I'm going to use addiction as the example, okay, a residential housing program that insurance covers can bring in billions of dollars yeah. in reimbursement rates. And, you know, the argument can be made that, yeah, that's taxpayer money, but Private insurance also does it too, and it's bringing in revenue, and that's the main point. And we're not relying so much on just these two little brackets that are sustaining our our way of life down here right, right. now. Yeah, and those also the people working there, the nurses and counselors and whatnot, can make some pretty good money. Oh um, yeah. So then you're bringing in a couple uh, of jobs as crazy, well. Right. Uh, you know the crazy part here in Delaware is that. With me, I'm a, I'm certified in Delaware to you know counsel, and just with my bachelor's and my my certification, I can actually practice independently because of how lax the the uh, regulations are for addiction counselors. I can huh. independently practice. I don't even have to have a master's. Oh wow! For right now, yeah. <laughs> but because it, again, addiction is still a new concept, and we're still trying to figure it out. Because I mean, in Delaware, you can start counseling while you're in school oh really before you get the degree yeah, yeah. Okay. it's in the laws huh and i'm just like that's a huge concern because if you don't know what you're doing you could really screw somebody up <laughs> and you know you talk about trauma and about family separation i've i've had people od in my office man it's it's not it's not pretty it's something i wish that no one ever has to see when you see someone twitching and you're literally yelling at them to keep them awake and you know with the fentanyl that the narcan doesn't work on these days hoping that the narcan works and praying to god that it works when you have to basically use like an it's like it looks like a little box it's an epipen type you know you put it in you, you shove it you hit them with it and you don't see a whole lot of reaction i mean it's it's a scary thing and i hope no one ever has to see that stuff because it's not pretty <laughs> Yeah, or, um, or ever have to go through the loss of a loved one, right? And you know, again, uh, 
like a, another point with that, the way I want to approach those things is through community efforts because every city is different. And the more uh, specific we get with the city's conditions and what's going on, the better we can approach a problem because I think sometimes we think too big and not small enough. All right. Well, Hunter, I'm going to get you out of here on this and I'm going to assume, okay. I'm going to assume you've been like the other, I think at this point I'm up to 75 guests. One to date has known how the podcast ends. Do you know what the final segment is of the getting to know you pod? No, I do not. Way to keep the trend alive. So I do that. Um, <laughs> I do that to um, number one, just point out, and I always love it. I think eventually it'll catch on. People will figure it out. Um, nobody listens to an entire pod, which I get. <laughs> and right. number two, it heightens the drama. I try to make it, I try to get people on the edge of their seats. So it's not that serious. Um, I want you to okay. get ready to tell um, a neat story about you. Okay. What I'm asking for is your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Okay. So, uh, my best for for last. Man, best, that, that's a tough one. Best When you have first. to think about yourself. I, yeah, but it is. So, it's. I always try to think of it, and I, this is how I picture it in my head. Um, the best first... So the first time you did something, a really cool first experience, that's going to be the last thing people listening can get to know about you. Okay. I got what you're saying now. Yeah, I would I, say probably my my best thing uh, that I ever did, and it's my last thing, was getting married to the my college sweetheart. Oh. Um, our story is unique, uh, and she's very supportive of me. And she told me I needed to run. So she's kind of like my backbone. Uh, she is the one that will, you know, sit there. And the fact is, uh, our wedding was in my house, in our house, uh, probably about two weeks after it was built. So to have a wedding in our house, in a brand new home, we didn't have to wait. It was already done. That's that was my best first, and it's always going to be my last because uh, <laughs> I always I always believe when. When you say till death do us part, I literally mean till death do us part. <laughs> how'd, how'd you guys meet in college? Uh, I met her my first year. Um, she was walking by me and uh, she was wearing a hard rock cafe. And I was like, hey, okay, that's a that's a nice icebreaker right there. I said, hey, nice shirt. She was like, thanks. And she walked away. <laughs> so then um, three years go by, okay. And I'm sitting, you know, minding my own business. Like I kind of talked to her. She was dating a friend of mine. All I hear is a boom on the table. And I'm like, okay. And uh, she looks at me because uh, I open my eyes to see what it was. She looks at me. She says, my boyfriend broke up with me and I'm mad. And she's a redhead. Oh. So I'm thinking, okay, I have a ticked off redhead. What do I do? Opportunity, my friend. You take advantage of opportunity when it knocks. And I did. <laughs> Six months later. <laughs> But you know what? Regardless of that fact, we have been happily together for six years. Um, and, you know, we've we definitely I would say uh, she puts up with a lot of the stuff I do. I don't think anyone normal, especially uh, running as a running for office. Someone could put up with that. I mean, to be the wife of a politician. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. And a counselor at that to 
because the count having account being a counselor is a totally different dynamic too. It changes up uh, the way you look at things and the way you do things. And I'm the only one in my family that's went to counseling. <laughs> so that was my best first for last, literally. Did you did you ever ask her about why she blew you off on the t-shirt? Like there were like six uh, yeah, other guys I did. Um, trying to use the line. Uh, yeah, she did. She was actually like, what she said was, um, she thought I was cute. She was like, I wish he would talk to me more, but he blew his chance at that point. <laughs> she said I should have kept on her, and I probably would have gotten her to date, go on a date with me that day. Gosh, yeah. So many lessons, like, kids. So I chickened out. I chickened out on my first one. No. <laughs> I was. It was my fault. Not hers, mine. <laughs> and then, dude, tell me about how did the uh, proposal happen? So... Um, what the proposal happened is, um, you know, we were going through, we went through uh, a time where, you know, I said, when I, when I sat down with her, I was like, you know, when I date, I, I'm doing it for marriage. I'm not just doing it to play around. Like, and she was in agreement with me. So we said, after a year, we'll look and decide, well, you know, I uh, went out and bought an engagement ring. I took her out on the beach and I made her walk a mile. And I forgot she was in flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then after all that, I turned on my camera, hit it so she couldn't see it. And as I was talking, she's like, I was like, I don't know what to do. And she's thinking, you know, I'll break up. But why the heck did you bring me out on this freaking hot sand with flip-flops on? And I was like, can you hold this camera real quick? And then I opened up and I said, uh, I said, will you marry me? And and she got real happy. And then after that, you know, the camera went off and we had a bunch of people, uh, clapping. And I said, everybody, I would like to introduce my fiance, uh, fiance, however you said, uh, yeah. you know, so-and-so, uh, I don't want to put out her name too much. And yeah, that's fine. It was funny. You always have to have the Russian guy say something in a wedding. He says, congratulations, <laughs> like thick Russian accent. I was like, right. Was not expecting that, but it's totally awesome. You it did not get that twice in a, in a row. Oh, man, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Was she, is she a crier? Was she like an excited slapper? How did she react? Uh, she, uh, she, I think, I think she was so tired from the walk. She, <laughs> she, she was more ticked off about that than anything. So, uh, cause we went to Buffalo Wild Wings afterward and, uh, she said that she had an, app, worked up an appetite. So that was a good thing. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. You get engaged and nothing like eating some nice <laughs> wings with all the sauce right? to show the ring off. <laughs> wings and rings baby wings and rings that's what there she's you about go. There, that's what that's how you do it <laughs> dude that's awesome hunter man so, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the getting to know you pod if um if people are looking to get more information about you um your campaign your platform uh what's the best way that they could do that um they can reach me by phone at 302-219-0318 or they can check out my website uh electhastings.com Cool. And I'll put both of those in the description of the podcast. Um, this way, if people need it, it'll be there for them. And okay. people who are going out to vote, there is no primary for you, right? So you're looking at nope. November 3rd? Uh, yeah. And so just put it out there because I have been mistaken as is a primary opponent. I am not running as a Republican in a primary. I am running as a Democrat for a difference. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Just to make that clear. Yeah. yeah. And that, that could be a real thing. You know, if somebody, if people hear it and then 
you know, you can forget. Um, but I think yeah. what I might do is, you know, just republicize these kind of podcasts. Um, I was trying to get it so that it'd be about a month out this way. If people listen, they can also then have time to get up with the people, um, the candidates uh-huh. who they want to find out more about. But for those who get, or, you know, get through a primary or are going straight to the general, I'll definitely republish, um, to advertise this way. People can get to listen again and refresh their uh, memories. Hey man, that's what's up. I appreciate that. And I yeah, appreciate man. the opportunity that you had me on for. No, yeah, thank you for um, getting back to me. And dude, it was like I I think I Facebook messaged you and you got back in a day and you were like, Oh yeah, Monday? Sure, why not? <laughs> and you were just like Hey man, it was I'm all about opportunity and I, yeah. I that's one thing uh that I keep stressing to people. Uh text me at twelve o'clock in the morning on my phone if you have a question, I'll get back to you. Right. Uh, I'm not gonna be someone that's you know, you email like uh, you know, your legislature or something and might be like three weeks before you hear from them, and by then the the thing that you were you know concerned about has already passed. Right. It's like now you tell me. Yeah. No, and I mean it's funny, man. I've actually had a couple. I won't say their names, but a couple different um people candidates um who have said, yeah, we'd love to be on, and you email back and forth trying to settle a date, and then they kind of ghost you, and it's odd. You're like, hmm, and it does. It it leaves a it just leaves a thought. Um, especially not to be arrogant or whatever, but like if you're coming at them with like, Hey, I, I host a podcast. I've published this. It's going to be public. You can use it for them to kind of commit and then ghost makes you wonder. And that's why I've been so appreciative of the people who are willing to come on and talk for a couple hours, because that to me, that shows something about the candidate that they're willing to engage. You know, they're willing to have a conversation that's not scripted and they're not fearful of any kind of like gotcha moments because they're, yeah, they're confident, yeah, you know? You're correct on that. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Or another example, and this is funny, is this was funny to me. Uh, when the le- when you do get a response, and then you go in person, and the 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 per the uh, legislature, the official says, "Oh no, that was my secretary that responded to it. I, I don't remember <laughs> anything about it." Yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's even better, right? Yeah, the disconnect. <laughs> So it's awesome, man. It's awesome that you're going grassroots. It's awesome that you're trying to be independently democratic for the Republicans. Is that, (laughs) would that be like the hodgepodge way to throw that together? Yeah. uh, Someone, some people have called me a democratic libertarian, just like when they called me a Republican libertarian. Uh, They call me, I'm I'm really, yeah, I'm a Democrat, but I'm really a Republican. I mean, whatever you want to call it on the spectrum. Yeah. Just don't call me late for dinner. No doubt. And give them a call if you have questions. (laughs) All right, Hunter, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, Good luck going forward, man. And uh, thank you for letting everybody get to know you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Sean. Bye. All right, bye. On the subject I like most. Thanks to Hunter Hastings for coming on the podcast and giving so much of his time. Um, Thanks for taking the time to share his vision for what he sees his role and influence to be on the Sussex County Council District 1 seat. If you'd like to know more about Hunter Hastings, you can go to his website, www.electhastings.com. Remember, the general election is November 3rd. Thanks to andrepsyche.com for sponsoring the podcast. Go right now. Nothing else to do. Go to andrepsyche.com for some trippy merch that's worth checking out. And if you have not already and would like to support a local Sussex County, Delaware podcast, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The word of the day, the word of the pod, excuse me, the word of the pod, word of the pod, constitutionality.
constitutionality, constitutionality, and bonus points if you can tell me which podcast this word is a repeat from. Constitutionality is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the pod when you use it on yours, and you will get a shout out on our very next podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. Again, that subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps the Getting to Know You pod in its quest to become profitable. And speaking of profits, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging, diverse, global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. So if you're interested, just message us. Don't forget, get out and vote.